0: Our, our text is Matthew chapter 2, if you want to turn there in your Bible, we'll read the story uh, in just a minute. Um, I, I do want to mention that uh, one of the founding elders of our church, Clifford Lockwood, just went home to be with Jesus last night. And I would not be your pastor, we would not be in this building, uh, New Hope Christian Center would not be in existence if it wasn't for him. So uh, I, I'm excited about Heaven's Gain. This is a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay. Matthew chapter 2. Look at verse 11. We read this story last week in its entirety, but I just want to pull out one verse that's a key verse that's kind of our springboard. Matthew 2:11, "On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures" and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, three gifts that had substance. They had some meaning in people's lives. It was That's generosity. So we're talking about generosity. And I was having some second thoughts uh, today about this message because I told you last week we were going to do part two of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, lessons we learn about uh, giving generous gifts, um, and I was thinking, maybe I really said all I needed to say last week, and maybe it's kind of overkill to go into this week, maybe we should have done something else. And I got in, and on my desk was a, uh, an envelope, and I opened it up, and it was a check for $6,200 for somebody that doesn't even go to our church, who just wanted to make an investment in the kingdom. And I thought, yep, right on track. That's confirmation from God that I'm speaking the right thing. So last week we looked at one, two, three, four, five principles that we can learn about giving generous gifts. And uh, this week in my notes, I've got six, seven, eight, nine, 10. We're continuing the, the 10 principles. Uh, but on your outline, it says one, two, three, four, five in case you missed it last week. So this can be a lesson in itself, or this can be the last half, and you would, of course, have to get the CD of last week. Or yeah, I guess you don't have to do that. You can get online and watch it. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about that, and, and I've got seven of these that we learned about giving generous gifts. Here's, here's number six, or number one, for tonight. Generous people give help even when they differ. We don't just help people like us. We don't just help our kind. We make an investment in the kingdom. We make an investment in people, in souls, because souls today become souls in eternity. Somebody say, "Amen." amen. The story that we that we're, we're uh, getting this point from is in Luke chapter seven, verses four through six. Where it says, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Notice one says he deserves it, but he himself says, I don't deserve it. So what do we deserve? What do you deserve? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So what do you and I deserve? We don't deserve grace. Grace is a free gift. You understand the difference between a free gift and something you bought at the store? You know, if you can buy it, it's not free. This is something we just receive. It's the grace of God that steps into our life. This is good news. It's good news. So what do sinners deserve? We deserve to die. But the Bible does tell us as a Christian, we have a right to something. You remember what the Bible says we have a right to? Anybody? We have a right to become children of God. We have a right to adoption. If we will accept Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross we have a right to be adopted as children of God. Paul says that. I'm, I'm going to claim my rights. I'm going to stand on my rights. I have a right to become a child of God. I have a right to be adopted by Him. To have Him come alongside, put His arm around me, and pull me along through life. Because I can't do it on my own. I need God walking through life with me. I just need that. We have a right to become the children of God. And that is good news, church. That is good news. By the way... Uh, young people, if you picked up one of those outlines on the way in and you work on that and fill that out, I would really appreciate it if you'd come show me the work you've done, that you've put these, these words down. Or if you can't write yet, at least do some artwork with my message. Help me illustrate my message with your artwork. Okay? And then come show me. Alright, so here's number two or number seven. Generous people give to see the impossible become possible if we work together the impossible is possible but we've got to work together we've got to be a team we've got to see ourselves as having some part of the whole and then we can see the impossible become possible in matthew chapter 14 verses 17 through 20 we see this illustrated It says uh, the disciples came to Jesus and said, We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, more leftovers than they had to begin with because there was a boy in the crowd that sacrificed what he had, a lad, someone you wouldn't think of being a provider for everybody else. But this... Young boy gives what he has. And it made the impossible possible. 5,000 people ate till their stomachs were filled and they took up more leftovers than they had to begin with. That is a miracle. It's a miracle that happened because somebody invested. Somebody made a sacrifice. God was able to bless it. We together... Can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. We can do all things together through Christ who strengthens us. Small seeds grow and become great. I've seen that in my life numerous times. Small things grow and become great. I've seen people come into our church. Who had nothing to offer. They came in with shame. They came in feeling like they didn't belong, out of place. And we embraced them. And we prayed for them. And we coached them. And we prayed for them some more. And we guided them some more. And today, they're sitting here in New Hope Christian Center on a Saturday night, accomplishing something great for the kingdom. Small seeds become great. We don't ever look down on small beginnings. We don't ever look down on small people who have nothing to offer. We only are people of faith, and we don't look at seeds. We see what the seeds can become. God doesn't look at you and what you are. He looks at you and sees what you can become. Isn't that exciting? Hallelujah. Generous people give to see the impossible become possible. Here's number three, or number eight. Generous people give as a byproduct of their own transformation. And the story I'm getting this from is the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, verses eight and nine. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Today salvation has come to this house. Why did, what prompted Jesus to say that? It was what greedy Zacchaeus just said. It was Zacchaeus who was all about getting, 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 saying, Lord, I'm going to start giving, giving, giving. And the Lord says, today salvation's come to this house because his heart has been changed. If someone's, if your heart is changed, people around you will see it. You see, it's not something that you keep private down inside. But it so moves us that we're different people and people see the change that's in us. In other words, the people around you in your neighborhood, they should see a change in you. We should stop focusing on getting and greed, which is the American way, and focus on giving. That's when people see a change in our hearts he changed from being uh, from focusing on the accumulation of wealth and he saw a bigger picture that i can't take it with me what's the purpose of having all this wealth if i can't take it with me why so he changed his perspective and instead of filling his pockets and his bank account for the possible future he starts making an investment in the world right now, helping somebody else improve their life. This is what's happening. So here's a basic principle of life that we all have to learn. Nobody owes you anything. There are no free rides. You are not entitled. We have to to trust God and we have to work and we have to sacrifice and we have to take action steps that demonstrate we trust God and then God pours out His blessing. A couple examples of this. The first is a man by the name of Andrew Carnegie. Immigrated from Scotland to America with no money in his pocket he borrowed some money from a fairly well-to-do uncle to get to America. Started out, I, I don't remember what his first job was. I looked this up on Wikipedia, and I, he had a first job that was, you know, like being a newspaper boy. I, I remember what it was. He was a, a telegraph messenger. He was a messenger boy. Telegrams would be printed out, and he'd take it a block or two away and give it to wherever it was going. First job. First job. But one job led to another, and he ended up working at a steel mill, worked his way up till he was the president of the steel mill, sold it to J.P. Morgan for 300 and some, I forget the exact figure, 300 and some million dollars way back then. He was a wealthy man. And he spent the last years of his life giving 90% of that away. And all over the United States there are libraries that have the name Carnegie on them because he invested, he wanted to help this country that made him wealthy be better. He invested in that. The second example of that is a man called Scrooge from Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Our family just watched that on Christmas Day. We watched one of those older versions, and we, I, I was just reminded, when they retell the Christmas story of Scrooge, in modern terminology, they miss the redemption factor. It's all about a man's life turned upside down. It's all about a man whose value system had been radically changed with this reminder, this visit of, a, of these, um, what they call them, spirits, the Christmas spirit that reminded him of his real life and where he'd come from and where he is today and where he's going. And it so affected him, it changed the way he saw everything. And I want to encourage you, it's too late now, but next Christmas, kind of keep a mental note that you want to read one of those earlier, or watch one of those earlier productions of A Christmas Carol, because it'll warm your heart. And that's exactly what should be happening in churches all across America, as we're reminded of the redemption, the price that Jesus paid, so that we could have our eyes opened and see things from a whole new perspective. Somebody say amen. Here's number nine. Generous people give out of their own poverty. If you remember last week, we shared the story of Jesus being in the temple and he watched wealthy people come in and put large amounts of money in as they were giving as they came to the house of God. And there was this one widow who had nothing. And she came up and she put in like two cents. King James says two mites, which is a very small amount, smallest coin they made. And he put those in and Jesus was impressed because she gave all she had and the others gave a portion, just a portion, didn't hurt them at all. This could devastate her, but she gave by faith when she put that in. I've had the opportunity of being in third world countries and see poverty like uh, I don't think it exists anywhere in the United States, where people aren't put in institutions, they're just left to fend for themselves in the garbage of the cities. I remember going to Nigeria, Anita and I did, and we, we both shared at a pastor's conference, and there were pastors from all over Nigeria, some of them from up north, which is Muslim territory. And they and we taught them, and they asked questions, and it was a really good mentor, mentoring time. They're from another culture, but the same problems we have back here, they were wrestling with over there. Human nature is human nature. And we had an opportunity to coach them and guide them. And one of the pastors there uh, was was really... Strong wanted me to come and speak at his church that Sunday. We were going to leave uh, Monday, so we had, we had Sunday to go out into these different churches. And this one pastor invited Anita and I to go. And, uh, and I, I, I was ready to preach. I was all set to go. But they, they did this interesting thing in this church in Lagos, Nigeria. They, uh, they had a baby dedication. One of the young families in the church had a baby And the church was going to dedicate them. And the pastor prayed for them. And then the church had like, I don't know what you call it. It was part of their culture, I suppose. But everybody wanted to bring a gift for the baby. And so they got in this line that stretched down the center aisle, clear outside. And they came down that aisle and presented their gifts to the baby. And it was really cool. Because they had, a modern, they had a modern band. They had drums, guitars, bass, piano, keys. And they were, they were doing the kind of songs we sing here, but I couldn't understand the language. And, uh, and then they started bringing these gifts in. And the band just changed. And no longer was it music I recognized. Now I knew I was in Africa. And it was, just had this Africa rhythm. And people came in, most of the men dressed like we're dressed tonight. But uh, the women, they had these brightly colored outfits, long dresses down to the ground. And they had these same color cloth up on their head, real bright colors. And they began a dance down that center aisle. And they were just, it was just joyous. And they weren't going very far because it was kind of slow. But they would just do this dance, hold a chicken up over their head. And they're bringing vegetables from the garden, maybe something they made for the baby. Uh, They got a chicken and brought the chicken down. And it was so amazing because I could see these people, these people were in poverty. They had nothing. But when they went to church, they dressed up. And when they were dedicating a baby, everybody, everybody bought, brought some gift to lay before the baby. And I never forgot that. It, it was stepping over into another culture, but I got to see it and taste it and feel the emotion of the moment as everyone was, was celebrating this baby. I remember another time... Uh, we went to the Dominican Republic and we had, it was a team, I was leading a team of people so maybe you were on that trip, I don't know who all was there on this trip. But we went to the Dominican Republic and I preached at a small church and what they, what they did culturally down there is when, when they had a guest preacher come and preach they would receive an offering uh, to give to the guest. Well I didn't go to the Dominican Republic to get anything. I went down there to give. I I didn't expect to get paid anything, but Dr. Allen was leading that. They received an offering. And typically when when you do that, there's maybe five $1 bills comes in, so you you don't get paid much. But it was big to them because there's a lot of poverty in the Dominican Republic. And in this one offering, I remember they had received this offering, and it was five or six bucks cash, And somebody put a ring in the offering. And Dr. Allen brought the ring to me and he said, we just believe that you should have the ring since somebody put it in because you shared the message. And I'm wearing that ring right now. It's a heavy gold ring with 12 diamonds in it. I don't know how much this thing cost and I don't know where it was made but they gave it to me. I don't wear it very often because I don't want people to think I'm trying to show off how rich I am. So I keep it in my dresser. But tonight I wore it because I look at this every now and then because it reminds me that there are people who give out of their poverty. And when they give out of poverty, I don't want to forget this because I can be the recipient of that. It wasn't my intention, but it was God's gift to me. So I'm wearing this tonight. If anybody wants a closer look, you can come up and take a look at it, and I won't punch you. (laughs) So there's two types of giving, Oral Roberts used to say. There is seed giving. It's where you're doing okay, you really don't have a need, but you want to plant a seed. So out of what you have, you plant a seed, and you know when you plant a seed, God's going to make it grow and flourish and turn into a harvest. So there's seed giving. And the other kind of giving he mentions is need giving. This is when you have a need. And you don't have the ability to pay for what you need. That's why it's a need. But you give out of your need. And when you give out of your need, God brings it back to you. Another uh, two different ways to look at our giving. So generous people give out of their own poverty. And here's number 10 in the last one. Generous people give when others won't. Philippians chapter 4 verses 15 and 16 tells us this. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Nobody else could see it. Paul wasn't asking for help. Nobody else could see a need, so nobody made an investment. But he says, you folks in that church down there, you sent an offering anyway. When nobody else would support us, you did it. And Paul says, I won't forget that. I won't forget that. So generous people give even when others won't. Some people don't give because they think they're entitled. Literally. I've known people like that. They just expect somebody else to put money in their pocket. They expect somebody else to take care of them. They expect somebody else to do it for them. They feel entitled. And as I said earlier... The world doesn't owe me anything. I know that. So I'm in debt to God in His provision. Here's the second reason people won't give. They don't give because they don't trust God. Well, I've got got just enough. Every week I get this paycheck that's just enough to help me through this week. I don't trust God to give a portion of that to Him and His work And have Him bless me in return. I just don't trust God. And that's something every one of us have to move beyond because that's natural. That's the default position for humans. We've got to step beyond the default position, the natural position, and step into the supernatural position of trusting God. The world isn't going to do that, so that sets us apart. That sets us on a whole new plane. God can work with us, but He can't work with them. So He can favor us. No matter where you work, no matter what you do, God can favor you because you're a child of God. Do we see this? And thirdly, some don't give because they think they can't. It's this inferiority, insecurity we have that we think we really can't give outside of ourselves. I just have to hang on to what I have because if I lose what I have, then I won't have it. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible says, I can't outgive God. As I invest in the kingdom, God keeps pouring it back. It's like there's a conduit. And when the conduit gets plugged up, God stops pouring into it. When the conduit stays free, God can keep pouring the blessing in. So as long as we serve God... We can keep that blessing coming. As God blesses us, we pass the blessing on. So He'll bless us some more so we can pass the blessing on. Then He blesses us some more. And that's the way we live our lives, as a channel of God's blessing. As He forgives me, I forgive others. As He blesses me, I bless others. As He gives me an opportunity to improve my life, I help someone else with an opportunity to improve their life. God sees my heart By my actions, he sees my my uh, he sees my convictions by my actions by what I do. So I want you to think in 2020. I want you to think about God in your life, the place you want Him to have, and the place He currently has. Think about it, because we live this walk of faith amen it's a walk of faith so i want you to think about maybe there needs to be a rededication maybe as we go into it close this year out and go into a new year maybe we need to look at a rededication of our walk of faith with god